Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. We are at Connected America in Dallas, Texas, along with my co-host Brad Hind. We are joined by one of the key drivers of a brand new event, Connected America, um, Rob Chambers. Rob, welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for the invitation. Hey, um, it's uh, great to have you. Um, it's a great event that you guys are putting on. I was uh, wondering, before we dive into the, the event itself, if you could sort of give our listeners a background on Total Telecom and um, just sort of your story. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, our background um, is really as a traditional publisher. Um, we've been publishing as Total Telecom since 1997, um, but really started taking a leap into events um, about 10 years ago. Um, so this isn't your first rodeo? Is it's saying? not our first rodeo, no. <laughs> um, the, the, the Total Telecom ground basically has evolved a bit from being a, a publisher to more being a, an, an events company that also publishes. I think that's how I like to position it. Um, and the, the big driver behind our business these days is the Connected Series. Um, and we kicked that off with uh, Connected Britain, which we launched in 2015. And uh, that we launched in a ballroom much, much smaller than this. Um, and I think we were incredibly pleased with about 300 people that came along. Um, we thought that was great. Um, now, um, what are we, nearly eight years later, I suppose, for, uh, uh, for, for Connected Britain and one pandemic in between. Um, <laughs> now we're going to be occupying seven halls of London's biggest exhibition centre. Wow. Um, 5,000 delegates, um, 300 speakers. Uh, it's quite big now. <laughs> so. Awesome. So you started with that. And then so obviously it's, it's super um, popular, well attended. And then that spawns some, some other um, directions as well. I would love that you could sort of touch on those as well. Yeah, it has. You know, um, um, it's actually spawned some events which have become permanent events and some that have been done for a particular purpose. So we've, we've done a couple of uh, little niche events where there's been a particular uh, need in a market for a particular moment in time. So we did uh, um, a Connected Ireland event and we did a Connected Italy event. Uh, but the big ones that have really grown into... Uh, um, ongoing, continuous, uh, exciting events are Connected North, which is, um, again, for the, for the UK, it's, it's like Connected Britain, but it's aimed at the, the northern part of the UK. Um, I don't know if anyone who, who listens to your show would, would recognise the phrase Northern Powerhouse, but um, it's, it's been a big thing in the UK that um, the area around the north, uh, um, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool area, um, has quite a different economy to, to, to the rest of the UK, and so we, we've developed an event for that. Um, that's going into its second year this year, um, twice as big as it was last year. Wow. Um, we've just signed off the uh, venue for next year, which is going to be twice as big as the venue we've got for this year. So that's growing well. Um, we also have an event called Connected Germany, um, which we launched the year before the pandemic struck. So that, that gave it a, 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 tough, a tough inauguration, if you like. Um, Absolutely. Um, but... Um, we ended up running it twice last year instead of once because we had one that was hung over from the, uh, from the pandemic. Um, and the second version of it um, last year was about the size of this. So about a thousand people. Um, and again, we're, we're looking to, to double it in size again for next year. Fantastic. All right, so you started with, with, with um, Connected Britain, went to the north, yep. uh, headed out to Germany, other, other um, European countries, and now you've decided to hit the States. You know, what was the reasoning behind that? We must be mad. That must be why. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all honesty, we've uh, um, 
We've looked at the states for a long time. Um, the, the business plan for, for the states initially was probably written um, uh, around about the same time as Connected Britain's was. Oh, really? But, wow. But we didn't do anything with it for a long time. Um, what's really changed now uh, is, is, is what's happened in the States. You know, the, the funding that's available now in the marketplace, um, the increased interest and driver for better internet uh, um, here. Uh, all of the things that we've been talking about over the last two days are, are really what um, flagged up to us that now is the time to, to bring the connected brand uh, to, to North America. So we're here in, in, in Dallas, awesome event, uh, tremendous amount of buzz. Um, one of the things that I, that I you know, I, I kind of got a kick out of when I first um, got here was I opened my computer and the first actually post that I saw was a post by you and it was you behind the registration desk and it was like, you know, it's like when you throw a party, you hope somebody shows up. How gratifying is it for you and your team that you're having such a successful event, you know, first time around? It's beyond gratifying. You know, it's, uh, um, it's always the concern. You know, as, a, uh, uh, as an organizer of events, your big concern is that uh, um, uh, people don't come. Uh, you know, I said to my team when we were working on this, you know, we, we, you like every business, we set targets. We, we know what we hope to make from it financially. We know how many people we hope to come. Realistically, you, you, can, you can survive the fact if you don't hit the money target that you want. If you don't get the people there, well, forget it. You know, there's, 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 there's no point in coming back and doing it again next time. Right. Um, and so having the, uh, the queue of people uh, standing uh, um, uh, there waiting to register and come on site was, was, was incredible. And it was just what we wanted to see. Now, Rob, you mentioned... Uh um, the amount of money that's in the market now, you know, in the U.S. and, you know, obviously reason to, to come up and start Connected America. I'm curious, you know, for those of our listeners that aren't listening uh, abroad, um, but in Europe, what, what are some of the different models? Is this the same kind of funding going on? What's the, what's the environment like uh, in Europe right now as compared to America? No, I, th I think the... I think the financial model differs a bit in, in different countries. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, in, in the UK, the, the driver wasn't actually so much the money in the first state. Uh, the, the, the initial driver actually was the, uh, the change in regulation that gave uh, other operators access to the, to the backbone network, to, to the BT openreach, to the boxes in the road fundamentally, right. uh, and just made it possible for other people to come. Um, but that's been largely driven by VC money, um, pension funds, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, I see. Um, and I, I did notice actually in one of the sessions earlier on today, they had um, uh, um, uh, Kim McKinley from uh, Utopia sure, and, uh, 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 and Frontier and people down there. And, uh, uh, and uh, Kim in particular flagged up and said, well, actually, the, the government money isn't actually the be all and end all. She, was, she thought it was going to take too long. Um, she'd find the money somewhere else. Um, but I think yeah, from our point of view, the, the driver um, behind the the driver behind it being a suitable time for us to launch a connected event is that um, uh, combination of factors all coming together. Um, the political will to make it happen, yes, the fact that people can find the funding, and that might, of course, get harder with interest rates being higher at the moment, but probably fundamentally the money's still there if people want it. Mm -hmm. um, and also the, the will, you know, the, the, the demand from the public, the fact that people can't live now without better internet. No, that's great. And, and just, you know, just circling back to, to the conference itself, you know, I have to say, I'm, I was really impressed with the, the the list of speakers that you were able to to, to line up for a first time event. It's just 
you know, what was the, the, the planning behind that? What was sort of the, like, the objective in terms of, of bringing such, such uh, really big names? I saw that you had um, gentlemen from AT&T is, um, in the opening session, yeah. Kim and, and all the different folks, you know, what, uh, great um, speakers. What was sort of the thinking behind that? Um, well, I, look, I guess there's, there's two things um, uh, it, when it comes to thinking about speakers. Um, yes, you need the big names um, because they're really what stands out to people. People see the marketing and what they see is they see names that they can, they can relate to and they recognize and think, I've got to come and listen to that. But actually, when you get to it, um, beyond that, uh, you need to drill down a little bit and there needs to be people who are interesting. Um, Absolutely. And they're not necessarily going to be the biggest names in the world. Um, but they're the, the people who can actually tell someone in the audience something they're going to walk away with. You know, you come to an event and you want to walk away and think, I learned that, I learned that, I met him, I did that. Uh, and that's really what we want to see. And we want to see people uh, uh, doing deals as well. And we've seen a good, good number of those here as well today. Absolutely. I went to a session yesterday that was really interesting to me because, you know, especially in the U.S., we talked about the amount of funding coming into the space. But, of course, that funding gets divided up, gets divided up in between the states. And so um, I think there might have been seven folks on the panel, six or seven folks, which is a lot for a panel. panel. (laughs) Yeah, but what's interesting is each one represented a different state. uh, And so... I'm kind of curious how the money funnels down and how the states are using it. And But let me jump over um, to Europe also. Um, the way the money is being used in Europe, maybe UK versus Germany, connected Germany, um, diff- different requirements depending on the different areas, how the money is being used. Yeah, um, well, it is different because you haven't got this massive um, tranche of, of federal money. You know, that's... Yeah. That, as far as I'm aware, doesn't exist anywhere in Europe. Um, not in quite the same way. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of investment from the, the incumbent operators, if you like. You know, so, so BT Openreach in the UK, uh, uh, Deutsche Telekom in Germany. Um, they're investing a lot, but they're not necessarily getting huge amounts of funding from, from central government in those, those countries. Um, most of the funding is coming from the from the people who are investing in these uh, in, in these markets, and they are pinpointing different um, different kinds of requirements. Um, so I look at the UK, for example, and there's a, a company that's become very well known there um, called Hyperoptic, uh, and they specialise in multi-dwelling units, blocks of apartments. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, so you got that kind of thing. Um, You've got people like City Fiber, who've without doubt become the biggest um, alternative network, alt-nets as we call them in, in, in the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, they've built, I think, all of that really on investment from, from uh, VC funds and things like that. Um, and they basically build out networks, which they then essentially wholesale to other people. Um, they don't sell direct to anyone. So it's, it's very much a case of horses for courses. You know, it's, uh, it's no one, one size fits all. Uh, so, are you seeing a predominance of any type of technology? Meaning, you know, there are certain shows that are promoting fixed wireless here in the states. Certain are, uh, promoting fiber. A uh, lot of projects going on in the U.S. right now that are uh, that have uh, different types of networks that these uh, providers are having to manage all at once. Now, are you seeing in Europe? Are you seeing uh, a focus on one or the other, or just both? Well, uh, just to add on that as well, in terms of like Leos or you know. 
what is sort of the, the take? Is it one of those things where we should be agnostic? Should we lean towards one way or the other? I would love to get your opinion. Well, we're, we're certainly agnostic um, in terms of, the, uh, of a show. Um, right, absolutely. Um, you know, there's still a, uh, a, a leaning from the exhibitors to be fiber companies. Sure. Um, that, that tends to be where most of them are still coming from. Um, we're actively going out there actually trying to encourage more of the wireless companies to get involved, actually. Um, but you know, across Europe, I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of interest both in fiber and in, um, uh, in, in 5G in particular, uh, in wireless networks. Um, there's less interest probably in the whole fixed wireless thing, but it is, it is definitely there. Um, and I think that uh, um, LeoSAS and that kind of thing is, is very much in its infancy. They haven't got um, uh, probably the space requirements that you've got in, in, in America. Yeah, that's where it's really going to fit, I think, um, uh, to actually fill in those gaps which just are too hard to reach and too far apart. That's interesting because, and I could be totally wrong, and I, and it's, I actually think the Leos are, are, are going to be less about um, residential, and I think that they're going to find another uh, niche to fall into. I could be wrong, but um, it definitely is an interesting, like you said, at, the, at its infancy. Um, are, there, are there any Leo companies in, uh, I thought, that, is there one in, from Britain? There is, and you're you pushing me now because I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are a couple out there, and I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's a residential play particularly, you know, not unless you live at the end of God knows where. Um, Right, and it seems as though it's funny where people, um, at least some of the stuff that I've read, where they get Starlink and then all of a sudden they get fiber to their home and then they, then they immediately go to fiber as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob, if I could circle back in terms of the, your, 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 um, your, the different panels that you're having, um, it's awesome. They're, it's standing room only, which has been um, fantastic. Um, what was the, your approach in terms of selecting the different topics? Obviously, when we talk Europe versus the U.S., um, when you and I spoke yesterday, it was interesting where I was really excited about the, the idea of agriculture and, um, and broadband. And you had said that it was um, not even, not, maybe not on your radar, but it was one of those things where it wouldn't be a, a key driver. I would love it if you could sort of talk about, um, you know, your decisions in terms of, of um, the different topics that you guys decided to address because you did a phenomenal job. Thank you. Yeah, no, it is... Um, uh yeah, the, the model, the template, if you like, for, for the different events is, is usually similar. Um, uh, we have a big track which is uh, called Project Rollout, and that's always that, that, that um, runs through all of the events, and that's actually about building networks. Um, we also then will always have something about connected society. You know, it's about sort of closing the digital divide, how people are using uh, um, the internet. So those kind of things are common. Um, the, the issues are different slightly, but they're, they're common tracks across uh, um, different events. Um, agriculture is a particularly interesting one because that sort of falls into the, uh, the the connected industries, the utilities kind of tracks, and that's that's where you get some real differences actually um, between the different events. Okay. Um, you know, agriculture is obviously huge here in uh, in, in, in the US. Um, agriculture isn't such a big thing in in, in the UK. You know, yes, we have farms, um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, they they're not on the same scale. Yeah, it's like everything sure. in Texas. Everything's on a bigger scale. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know, yeah, far- farming just isn't that big a driver, and uh, um, it's different kind of farming here as well to 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 what you get. So it isn't such an important thing. Um, whereas um, um, manufacturing, particularly manufacturing and five G and things like that, uh, are huge drivers in the UK. Um, 
transport and logistics are huge drivers, uh, all of those kind of things. So just in terms of the UK, just um, so you've got the southern part and then the northern part, you said those are, those are two different ways. So is it one of those things in terms of, of driving um, adoption? Is it in, in the south of, of England? It's more about um, homes, and in the north, it's more about industry? Or is it both? It's just a, a different way about going to it. It's both. It's both for, for, for each. But um, um, you know, Connected Britain is supposed to be for the whole of the UK, and Connected North is for the north of the UK. Okay. Um, uh, and so we are looking to cover both things on both. But the, the dynamic is, is, is slightly different. Um, the, um, the Connected Britain event, because it's based in London, um, will tend to attract an audience sure. which is more from the southern part of the UK. Uh, and uh, the economy there is more service-driven. You know, there's lots and lots of banks, um, advertising, media companies, you, know, you name it, lots of tech companies as well down there. Um, whereas when you go to uh, uh, the north of the UK, then traditionally it's been more industrial. Uh, you know, it, was, it was the industrial heartland for the UK. But that's all changing anyway because there's been a, a big push from central government to, to move a lot of things that were centralised, and so in London, uh, out of London. And so you're seeing things like the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, have moved most of their base to Manchester now. Uh, oh, really? So you're getting a big boom in media in there. Uh, and lots of government departments being moved out of central London to, to other locations as well. So it's all changing. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, bo both, both events cover both parts of the market, but there's just subtle differences to it. Um, you know, for example, Manchester itself as a, as a city has the, uh, the highest proportion of social housing of anywhere in the UK. And so, again, a lot of the issues that were being talked about on uh, one of the panels I was listening to here earlier on about uh, uh, cost of access for people in, in uh, multiple options in dwellings. Right, the digital yeah. inclusion question. So, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of our jobs, Joe and myself, of you know, being uh, representing the broadband bunch at, at a show like this is to you know, walk around and speak to all the vendors, all the booths, all the service providers, and you know, check the level of enthusiasm they have. You know, obviously, I'm already hearing stories about how people have been positively impacted by uh, Connected Britain, folks that have come over from there. But do you have any special stories about how you've positively impacted businesses, service providers that just are on the top tip of your brain that you could share? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure it's quite what you're after. I think one of the funniest ones uh, that I came across was last year, actually, at Connected Britain. There was a, a, a fairly large um, a UK operator who, who came over to us and said, uh, very interesting, we're going through a... a a, a quotation process with uh, uh, some vendors for uh, uh, a project we're working on. Uh, there were three contenders uh, for the project. Two of them are here, so now it's only two contenders. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so that's hopefully where we'll get to on, the, on this as well. That's, wow, that's great. So, that's a tough room. Yeah, that that is definitely. Um, so, in terms of this event as a whole, like. You know, what are some of the takeaways that you you've gotten here in terms of like has there has anything surprised you? Has anything gotten you excited? You know, what are some of the just general impressions as well? well everything about it's got me excited. Um, um, general impressions. Um, I think firstly the the the, uh, the welcome has been so warm. You know, it's uh, uh, it's been great to be here. The people are fantastic. Uh, it's it's a very different crowd from from what you get in in Europe generally. Interesting. Um, uh, I think the other thing that I've really taken away as well 
is the amount of business that's being done here and, and visibly being done. You walk past people and they're having conversations about um, about business, about deals that are happening. Um, um, myself and colleagues of mine have been told openly that uh, um, there's, there's deals that are being done on the stands from people. Uh, that's great. And, and that's, that's what you want to hear. Um, and, uh, I, I came across something earlier, which was actually on the uh, transport paddle, and two of the paddlists were sort of mid-banter. So I said, we should actually have a conversation about this properly off, off the stage. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if we can make those kind of introductions, then that, that, that's great, really, isn't it? It's what it's, what it's all about, bringing people together and getting them networking and uh, uh, making it all happen. You know, it's, and it's one of those things where I think, selfishly, um, Brad and I are like, we're peppering you with different questions because one of the things that we want to know is how other you know other areas do it as well in terms of how you, how you tackle the problems in, in the UK you know in in the northern part of, of England in Germany so it, it's really awesome for you to come here and and sp- spend time with us um, I'd love to have just a, a couple more questions um, the first question is is um, the idea of, of in terms of workspaces um, in Europe it, you know one of the th- things in the US is um, obviously remote work is big where um, and I would love to just you know how are you guys dealing with that as well? Is it one of those things where is it hard to get people to come back to the office or is it one of those things where, you know, um, everyone wants to get back because they're, they're tired of, of looking at a screen full of people? Um, I think it varies by sector. Uh, and I think also it probably depends on the, uh, uh, the timeline as well. Yeah, we're, we're further away than, than North America is now from sort of, if you like, the end of the pandemic sort of scenario. It's uh, uh, um, um, it certainly has been harder to get people to come back into the office, and I think there has been a a, a real change to uh, people's working patterns. You know, if you look at us as a business, for example, yeah, we used to be uh, the religious. We wanted everyone in the office five days a week, um, unless you were out at client meetings at a show, whatever. Um, we've gone to a hybrid pattern where. Uh, office refurb allowing there in three, <laughs> three days a week. Um, and that seems to be very, very common. Um, I think what I find really interesting about that, and I don't know if you've seen it, so I'll turn it around on you guys, but uh, is whether it's changed. It's, in, in London, certainly, and in other cities, it's changed the dynamic um, in the city. You, know, you, you go into London now on a Monday, it's really, really quiet. Um, you go into London on a Friday, then it's quiet early, busy later when people come in for the evenings out that kind of thing Uh, and I think what is very interesting from that um, is how that's actually impacting other businesses and actually uh, this is almost like an analog question because this isn't the uh, the businesses who need the internet connectivity this is things like the sandwich shops and the cafes and stuff like that who who I think are having a really hard time yeah, and commercial real estate, right? It's like it's sort of gone on the back burner, but eventually it's one of those things where, if you're, you know, three days a week, you know, you might have used, you might have needed a whole building, but now it's, you know, one floor because everybody is 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 jogging in and out, or they work from home. So um, for me personally, it's been a it's been an interesting sort of journey because I, I came onto the broadband bunch during the pandemic, and so I've. For the most part, I've always been remote, which is something that I had never done before, and it definitely has its pluses and minuses. But I will definitely say, when uh, come the winter months in Connecticut, living in my basement, I want to see people. So I, I hope, my hope, is that we um, edge closer back to um, 
more going to work? Because I think when you breathe the same air, just like we are here today in terms of making deals, making connections, networking, that's when that's when the real magic happens. So I would hope we um, stay have the remote, but but we go back to a more traditional sort of setting. Uh, I will add an observation that I had, maybe a. Um, one that's changed because of the pandemic and because of the push to for everybody to go remote. I won't say push. I, I would say it's necessity. It was pushed on us. But uh, pre-pandemic, I would do business 8 to 5 on my laptop or on my phone, you know, 9 to 6, maybe 7, something like that. Weekends would pretty much shut everything down. Once everything got pushed to remote uh, apps, uh, social media, things like that, uh, I use my LinkedIn around the clock now, uh, not just from nine to five. It, it's it's constant. Last weekend, I think I was on a walk through the neighborhood. It's it's gotten gotten me used to using it more often. So if someone reaches out to me on the weekend, going for a walk in the neighborhood, I respond right back. Business happens twenty four seven now, but it may not happen in those dense periods between nine and six. And I, I'm, it's it to me as as far as a study goes. Um, people staying connected, being connected, allows us to view business more as the social aspect instead of just a nine to five commitment. Yeah, I think I yeah. agree with you. It's, yeah. uh, um, I'm not sure it's necessarily healthy, <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, people do. They, they they log in first thing in the morning, don't they? they see what's happening. They're right. doing it any time of uh, any time of day, wherever they are. You know, it's a, it's it's the advantage of technology, but whether it's necessarily good for sort of the work life balance is a, a, a another issue, isn't it? But it's. Uh, yeah, we'll see, won't we? We will. In the years to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rob, it's been an absolutely phenomenal visit. Can't thank you enough for having us here. Um, you know, I guess I'd love to end it on the question. Is there is there a Connected America uh, 2.0? There is indeed. Oh. Um, yeah, we'll definitely be back uh, uh, next year. Um, uh, yeah, we see a great deal of growth in, in Connected America. Uh, you might even see the uh, scenario we have in the UK where you see more than one of them. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for, for Brad Hind, I'm Joe Coldabella. That's going to wrap up this episode of the, of the Broadband Bunch. Until next time, thanks so much. We'll see you later.